this is Rapau and today in Turbo Talks we're talking to Cameron Meyer of Team Bike Exchange about the Giro d'Italia. Alright all, welcome back to the Turbo Talks podcast. It is time for the first Grand Tour of the year, the always beautiful and entertaining Giro d'Italia. Three weeks of hard racing through the most stunning regions and villages. And our guest for today's podcast is preparing himself for his sixth Giro start and the tenth Grand Tour start of his career. And if all goes to plan, he could very well be on the winning team this year. It's a warm welcome to Cameron Meyer of Team Bike Exchange. Welcome, Cam. How are you feeling a day before the Giro start? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's really good to be at the start of the, the Giro for 2021 and uh, we're feeling quietly confident that we're going to have a, a great tour for Team Bike Exchange. So we get all started to tomorrow for um, the prologue and uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Were you aware that this is your 10th Grand Tour start or do you not keep track of uh, stats like that? Uh, uh, I would have to count them uh, in my own head, but I, kn I knew it was somewhere around 9 or 10. So. I know it's my, my sixth start in the Giro d'Italia, which uh, was my first Grand Tour back in 2009. So that's always exciting to uh, be back at this race, which is special to me, having been my first ever Grand Tour that I participated in. Uh, and it's always a, a special race on the calendar with uh, how demanding it is, how beautiful it is, and, and being one of the, the biggest races you can do in the world cycling stage. It's, uh, it's always good to be here. And then another extra little, little nugget for this uh, podcast. The last two times that you finished the Giro was 2010-2011. And uh, can you tell us which team you were riding for? Team Garmin back then. Uh, See, there we go. Transitions and Garmin slipstream and that. But yeah, uh, Garmin was, the, was where I started with the, with the Giro. For 2009, 10 and 11, I started the Giro uh, with Team Garmin. And now we're riding the Giro again, but then with the Garmin products for a Team Bike Exchange. Um, what is the big difference now between at the start in 2009 and between at the, and being at the start now? Oh, probably my understanding of what's to come. Um, back then, obviously being a young rider and, and new to the world of uh, professional cycling on the road in Europe, uh, it was a lot of unknowns and uh, probably wasn't... Uh, as expected to do as much of a say a job each day for because it, it, I was new to it and uh, a developing rider whereas now I come into it with uh, specific roles and sp specific responsibilities and um, with all the experience that I've had over 10-12 years in the professional ranks uh, yeah it makes it quite different. Yeah, you already mentioned a specific role that you're coming in uh, this year, and maybe already a role that you had last year as well, but things uh, unraveled a bit last year. Um, can you tell us something about the role that you were going to have? Because obviously Team Bike Exchange coming in strong with a great team and obviously Simon Yates as, uh, as your leader. Can you tell us something about your role on the team? Yeah, we're coming in with... Uh really one purpose for this race and that's to to look at the overall classification with Simon Yates and and we believe we've got a strong enough team to be able to uh, contest for the overall victory. Uh, my role is predominantly more on the flatter stages and the medium mountain stages in protecting Simon through what can be uh, chaotic, chaotic sprint stages or stages with uh, 
a little bit of dynamic up and downs at the end and just making sure that he's guided through to the finish line as safely as possible with losing as little time as uh, as he can. And something I found really interesting because uh, both you and Simon have that the track background. Well, usually not the background. You're still great on the track as well. Uh, Simon was actually your successor as the world champion in the points race back in 2013. Um, do, do you have sort of like a, an uh, understanding because of that with him? Uh, oh, I, we haven't really spoken about that too much. He, uh, it was pretty. It is pretty cool to think that we uh, both come from a world track cycling background and both been world champions in the in the points race. And I, him being the year after I'd won it in 2012 and he won in 2013 was. Uh, it's pretty special to think of. Um, and maybe that gives us a good uh, connection to each other. We were actually roommates for this grand tour, so um, we get along well. And I, um, I'm looking forward to, to working in closely with him. And obviously, there's got to be a lot of trust between Simon and his teammates because you don't win a grand tour without a team. And uh, a leader has to really feel comfortable around his riders that uh, are looking after him day to day. So. Um, he's a he's a great guy and he's a, a great personality to be around and I'm I'm looking forward to working with him over the next three weeks. But you mentioned a, a leader type, but what type of leader is Simon? Uh, he he doesn't like too much stress. Obviously, he he knows what a Grand Tour entails and how it is a demanding three weeks. And there's there's a lot of chaos that goes on each day. There's uh, The race is never easy. You've got many riders looking at the overall classification and every stage is going to have demanding aspects to it. So he tries to really take a calm approach and he wants the people around him to, to be in the same way, be calm. And he's a rider that just loves to let his legs do the talking. He, he loves to go one-on-one -on -one with riders when you hit the last final climbs and uh, let the legs do the talking out on the road and not get caught up too much on the stress that happens off the bike or in the meetings or the tactical side leading into it. Um, make sure that the team around him knows what uh, needs to be done and then put him in the right position and let his legs do the talking. Have you seen a development in his leadership maybe over the last couple of years as well? Obviously, he had that experience of missing out on the Giro win maybe in 2018, um, taking revenge later that year, winning the Vuelta, and, and now, how has he developed? Uh, I think he's just gained uh, so much experience from all all the Grand Tours and all the racing that he's done and the experience he's had of winning and losing and probably more from the losing side of things. I mean, he knows he's been here at the Giro and been in a position to win before and it, and it hasn't happened. So those experiences are what make you able to possibly go on and win it in future years. And he is just a lot calmer around going into the race. I think... He knows what it's going to entail. He knows that there's going to be days that you might not have the best of luck. Maybe you'll puncture late in the stage and um, there's a little bit of drama to try and get back to the front of the race. But um, you can't control those variables. And if you think about it too much, then you only create more stress for yourself and stress for your team. So I see it in him that he's, his approach to the race these days is a lot calmer and um he knows he's in a good position with his legs and if he can let them be the ones that decide the bike race, then he knows he'll be up around the mark. Is that way of, of being relaxed, um, is that also maybe why he's feeling at home 
on the Aussie team? Because Aussies might be a little bit more relaxed maybe in general, or how do you see that? <laughs> uh, I'm sure he gets on really well with the Australians. <laughs> uh, he's been around the team for a long, for a long time now, and um, I think he really feels comfortable uh, with, the, with the team that's around him, and that includes staff members and, and riders. And um, I think the Australian... Uh, side of things is something that he's comfortable with and hopefully we can uh, we can be calm around him but also uh, we love to have a good time as well and a laugh and a joke and that's all part of it as well when you're around the dinner table after the stages you try and take a little bit of stress off with talking about other things and um, having some having some fun and some story time and uh, I think he loves having a bit of banter with the Australians. Uh, one thing you, you touched on earlier is you mentioned sort of like the trust between a leader and uh, the people, the other guys on the team. Um, how does that trust evolve over time, and, and how does that understanding grow between, for example, you and you and Simon? Yeah, it doesn't come instantly, and you've got to really look at it from uh, the team's point of view. They look at it uh, a long way out. So when they're deciding the squad for a grand tour and they see their leader, they're they're taking a lot of things into consideration with the the parkours and and what sort of rider they need, but also who can who can be in a group environment that works well with how the leader um, reacts. And we went to the Tour of Alps with six of the eight riders that were going to be here at the Giro, and that was part of the process of learning to to work together, communicate, get our communication processes right get the way we're going to talk about things in the, the debriefs after stages and also before we start stages, how how we like to approach the racing. And that's from the team management through to our leader, Simon Yates, down to our um, other riders that are supporting him. And that started weeks and months ago. And uh, hopefully we can put it all into action over the next three weeks. Yeah, because I was wondering, obviously you did that tour of the Alps and I think like if we just look at the results, it's been a successful test in terms of that, all the stuff that you just mentioned. Uh, does it feel like that for you guys as well? Yeah, the Tour of the Alps was a perfect lead into this race, uh, not just physically from the five stages of hard racing that we did do, but Simon taking the leader's jersey on the second stage uh, put pressure onto the team. How do we handle the expectations of a jersey and how do we then work together with him to hold the jersey for the next three to four days and we had to learn to use our energy in the right right spaces and uh and and right times and how to use our power at the right times and um it was a great lead into what might be expected of us when we come to this race if simon takes the the pink jersey at any point in the race we have to be prepared for that workload and be able to know how to handle that pressure and uh Tura alps was a great lead in and if we look at, have a little look at the Giro and at the route for this year, um, I think there's like a, an uphill finish already, like on stage six. Um, I can sort of almost imagine that you might be not too keen for Simon then to get a leader's jersey already as, yeah, because of the workload that might be put on on the team because of that. Is, is that something that's being discussed on the team or... Yeah, it's definitely a balancing act. If you were to get the jersey early on in the first week, um, which is possible with Simon, and um, he's he's showed his form is really good. That if we were to uh, end up in the pink jersey, how we then tackle that from then on, if it was to be as early as say stage six. But uh, look, we need to 
we need to take each stage as it comes and we need to always remember that it is three weeks and the last week of any Giro d'Italia is is very demanding when we get into the Dolomites and the Big Alps in the, in the last week. Uh, it is very demanding and you can be a minute, two minutes down and still win the Giro from there. So yeah, I don't think we're going to take full responsibility if we fall into the jersey anywhere in the first week. Uh, we might, we will still play it quite relaxed um, because we do know that that final week is very demanding. When is the time for you guys, uh, maybe for you as a rider, to start looking into that roadbook and, and when study which stages are coming up and into what detail? Uh, I think it starts a long way out. Um, when you know that you're on the list for doing a Grand Tour, then you, you obviously look at the parkours and, and it might dictate a little bit of how you're going to train. If it's um, your objectives are really in the last week or two, then maybe you won't come into the Grand Tour as, as uh, you'll be looking to just build those extra few percentages through the first week of racing and, and maybe come in a little bit fresher or maybe you're really targeting the first week in trying to get a jersey or trying to get a stage win or a time trial win that's on the, the first stage. You might come in really red hot uh, to try and put maximal percent, uh, power and percentages down in that first, first part of the race. So you do start to look at the stages a long way out. Um, but then you get really more into detail as you get closer. So when you when you get into those final weeks and then in those last few days and you start really discussing the tactics of the team and, and how you're going to go about it, it sort of ramps up as you get closer to, to the day of racing. Is that something that you take a lead role in as well or let your voice being heard in terms of the tactics of the team? Uh, yeah, I think there's a there's a fair few of us on our squad that, that take that... Uh, approach of being a little bit more outspoken in how we think we should approach it and what the uh, team's role will be to approach the stage in a certain way. And uh, that's something that I like to, to have a say in and, and sit down with management and say, uh, I think we could approach it this way and they give their views. And that's, uh, that's for the older experienced riders who have done many grand tours for them to to really speak up with their experience. And we have a great team management that really take that on board before we really lock down our final decisions on what our tactics might be. And I kind of get the feel that you are uh, pretty passionate about like operating as a team and working for the team. And something I noticed with the, the Aussie championships like earlier this year as well with the work that Durbridge did for you and your comments afterwards that he sort of like really helped you through like a difficult moment in the race. So how do you see a role for yourself in maybe when Simon is having a bad moment in the race? How how can you help him through that? Yeah, I think uh, I'm really well, not looking forward to it because I hope too many of those <laughs> don't actually happen in the Euro for us and, and for Simon. But they will po possibly come at some point and it's going to take the experienced riders to have a a cool level head in those chaotic or or moments that aren't going to your plan to be able to just uh, have a calming influence, try and put the team back on track with uh, what we need to minimise um, either our losses or um, get through the stage in as best as way, knowing that things aren't going exactly to plan. Uh, and I've done many of races and many of stages and uh, many of years that haven't gone exactly to plan, but it doesn't mean that you still can't get a really good performance out of it or um, still end up the day go, walking away saying, oh, we, we, we did as best as we could and limited our damage with, uh, with what had happened. So 
Um, that'll be critical in those moments, and uh, hopefully I can bring on the experience to help Simon out in those times. Do you have sort of like a, a go-to mantra or motto that you tell yourself when things get hard? <laughs> uh, no, probably the the biggest thing that just goes through my head is stay calm. Uh, it's always the I always think don't don't panic. Um, a lot of guys will jump to the first thing that goes to their head, and uh, normally you need to just take that extra breath or that extra moment to to really analyse what is happening and. Um, if you do take that extra breath, I believe that you'll make a slightly better decision. And um, I've my many years on the track uh, in World Championships and Olympic Games and Commonwealth Games, uh, I've had those moments. And in the track, you've got a split second to make that decision. Uh, and I, I, I learned over many years to be able to just take that extra breath, which is that extra second to make a decision. And, and hopefully it's a little bit better decision than if you had just acted straight away off impulse. And uh, if I can do that in those moments that uh, happen out here in the Giro and that helps Simon to get a better result, then um, that's what I'm here for uh, to, to pass on that experience. Is there going to be a moment in the next three weeks that you're sort of like can totally relax at some point in the bunch? Is it when, for example, when, when you've already, there's a mountain stage and you've already been dropped, is it then a moment for you to sort of like already try to start your recovery a bit earlier by really taking it easy or... How do you yeah, manage your efforts during those three weeks? Yeah, you've got to, you've got to be able to do, to do your job to 100%. And then when your job has finished, you've got to then think about uh, how you look after your own body and recovery process. And, and that can start, like you said, uh, from the Gruppetto. So if my job ends at 100 kilometres into the race because I had to look after Simon to there and then it's someone else's job from then on to take him up the next climb, um, then my my process of recovery and process of taking it easy starts from from when my job ended and you've got to be able to manage uh, that over the three weeks uh, because every rider can't go three weeks uh, full gas not even simon he's got to have his moments where you're relaxed and um, he can just switch off a little bit because he knows that i'm 100 percent on duty for anything that might happen and uh, you've got to be able to manage that throughout a three-week race to be able to do something as demanding as the Giro. And is then there a moment that you already like start being more conscious of already eating more or drinking more, etc. at those moments that you try to start saving energy? Or what are the little things that you're doing then? Yeah, definitely the recovery process is, is fueling. So you're always thinking about that. But I don't think that ever switches off. Even when you're racing full at 100%, you've got to be... Nutrition and, and recovery process is always in your mind uh, because that's how you've got to go from day to day. So we we have a great team. We have great products, uh, great sponsors that look after that side of things so that our nutrition on the bike is while we're racing either full gas or we're recovering to the end of the stage by taking it easy once we're in Gruppetto. And then when we're off the bike, uh, we, we're re really well looked after. And um, we have nutritionists and a chef and... Um, our coaches and sports scientists that are really looking after all those side of things. So we're well, we're well drilled and we have all the information that we need depending on what's happening on the day, either on the bike or off the bike, to, to manage those processes of uh, making sure we're ready to go for another day that, um, of racing coming, coming up the next day. And you mentioned hydration. Obviously, during the race, 
Uh, I can imagine you might ha- be on a bottle duty every now and then as well. Um, what's the record number of uh, tax bottles that you managed to take up in your jersey? <laughs> it's getting harder and harder these days because the jersey's <laughs> getting smaller and smaller and tighter and tighter and more aerodynamic, actually. So, uh, now things have changed. I, I remember I actually told a story only a, a day or so ago to this uh, to the team here that um, we were reconning the Stage 11 uh, stage in Tuscany with the with the gravel roads and. I was here in 2010 when Cadell won uh, in the in the mud on those stages, and also 2011 we did uh, some gravel roads in the Giro. And I remember I was on bottle duties then, and I had uh, that's when we had nine riders in a Grand Tour team, and I had eight bottles on me to try and get it back up to my teammates, and I didn't quite make it, and I had to unzip <laughs> all eight bottles. Uh, ended up with the crowd on the side of the road. Um, you don't so want to do that I, this year anymore, right? Uh, I'd prefer not to do that, but uh, yeah, eight, eight bottles would probably be my record. I haven't gone past eight in a Grand Tour. You've got eight teammates, so eight, eight in the in the back of the jersey. But hopefully, I don't have to do that too many times. And this day and age, we have a lot of uh, support staff, so we have a lot of bottle points um, on the road. So it's less and less that you have to actually go back to the car for for eight bins. Yeah, and otherwise, maybe Chris or or Hepburn can take an extra turn. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, now, tomorrow, you already mentioned the start. Uh, it starts with a prologue, obviously a, a time trial, and it finishes with a time trial. Um, you must still have some love for that time trial. Is there any chance that you can go out full gas tomorrow, or is it already in mind, oh, no, I might have to save energy for the rest of the Giro? No, you won't see me going full gas tomorrow. My my job is uh, to look after Simon straight away from the day after. And uh, I don't think I have the ability these days to, to really be inside that top 10 um, on the time trials. And it hasn't been a focus of mine. So my focus now is that real... Uh, domestique, captain's duties on the, on the road with... Uh, in the road stages and with Simon going for the overall, that is the objective here. So I'll save some energy tomorrow and try and make it 19 stages, not 21 in my legs. And I'll take it a little bit easier in the prologue. Yeah. When is this Giro a successful one? Is it only successful when you finish with Simon on the top step of the podium? Oh, that look, we start out with that objective. Um, but the Giro is, is, one of the hardest races you can ever do and to put that expectations on Simon is something that I won't do and I'm sure that and the team's not going to do we hope for success but if Simon goes out there and he he gives it all we know that uh his all is going to be really good and um whatever happens after that happens we if he finishes in fifth or he finishes on the podium if he's given his all when the team has done their job to the best of their ability then we will be happy at the end of the day and the pink jersey is the aim, and that's what we would love. Uh, but there's a long way to Milan from here, and anything can happen. And uh, success will be the team gelling together, doing the best performance, and everyone trying their best. And I'm sure whatever success comes from that, we will be happy with. All right, awesome. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. I just want to touch on one more, uh, maybe other dream, and it might not be a pink dream, but a gold a gold medal dream in a couple of months time um there is still a chance that you can't make it to tokyo do we already know something about that 
Yeah, that's another big objective of mine for 2021 with the Tokyo Olympics. Hopefully they finally go ahead and uh, it's been a long time for me. 2008 was my last Olympics and my last time trying to have a go at a, at a medal on the track and now to have another chance at Tokyo, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, my selection should hopefully be named in the next couple of weeks and uh, yeah, hopefully I'm on that plane to Tokyo and competing for a, for a medal at um, yeah, at the Olympic Games, which will be something special in my career. It's uh, I think it's about like the only thing missing on your uh, on your palmares for for a career. If you look at it, what is it? Nine world titles on the track. Yeah, nine world titles on the track and three at the Commonwealth Games. So yeah, it is something that I really hope for and I've uh, striving for 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 a while. And uh, I haven't had quite had the opportunity over the last two Olympic Games with the Madison and the points race being withdrawn from from those Olympics. But now the Madison's back in. Uh, I'm very excited about it, and uh, it's going to be definitely a hard bike race. You've got guys like Elia Viviani and Morkov and um, Roger Kluger and these types of riders who will also be there contending for the medals. But, um, yeah, I can't wait. It's been a childhood dream, and I was fourth in Beijing in 2008. So if I can go one or a couple better than that um, and make it onto the podium, that would be something that just ticks off my track, Palmares, uh, quite nicely. Awesome. All right. We're going to keep fingers crossed for that selection and that we're going to see you in action in Tokyo. But first, uh, we're going to follow you for the next three weeks in Italy, uh, you and the rest of Team Bike Exchange. Thanks, Cam, so much for your time uh, Yeah, to have a chat. No worries. Thanks for having me. All right. And thank you all for listening. And as always, make sure you tell a friend about the podcast and subscribe to automatically receive that new episode in your feed. Enjoy watching the Giro d'Italia the upcoming three weeks and make sure you keep following Cam and Team Bike Exchange in their quest for that Malia Rosa. And as always, in the meantime, never stop cycling. This was Rob Bau with Cam Meyer of Team Bike Exchange. Stay tuned for the next Turbo Talks.